0: On a mission to relieve trauma and grief, Adele Anderson is joining me from the Sunshine Coast in British Columbia, Canada, to share that even in life's most desperate moments, there is a choice that can change the trajectory of your life. Welcome to Awaken and Ascend. I'm Jennifer Regular, your host and the Soul Illuminator at Lighting the Path. So excited to have Adele Anderson here today. She often says drowning in a capsized plane was easier than becoming a widow. Grieving her life partner proved catastrophic, a deep wound that still weeps when the band aid is pulled off, raw and tender when touched. Loss challenged every aspect of her life, but she did find relief through community, neuroscience, nutrition and by embodying a rich spiritual practice. She is an NLP trainer, homeopath, death doula, Akashic reader, and grief coach, honored to help those seeking to ease their painful losses and amplifying happiness since 2002. Along with being an author, she has been on countless stages sharing messages of hope. She knows that life always offers us more than what we see or even believe is possible even when we grieve how do you find happiness when life doesn't look so bright adele is here now to help light the way welcome adele it is so wonderful to have you
1: thank you jennifer and that was such a it always sound so um different when someone else reads it <laughs> <So thank you. laughs> it's a real acknowledgement isn't it and,
0: and it really helps us embody truly who we are and who we came here to be so I love reading that and I love that it's received in that way because it's just, it's like it settles us into who we are, our human experience, but also recognizing our spiritual sovereignty, that there are messages and that we are here to light the way and share love in our own unique way. And for you, that's really been through grief. And I'd love to hear how your path was illuminated, like what
1: even put you on this path? Mm-hmm. Well, when I was 27, I was in a plane crash. And so I had a near-death experience where, um, you know, as the oxygen drained from my body, uh, my life had flashed in front of my eyes. And as it had gone from my birth all the way to that second in time, um, my death, my ultimate death, my body separated from my mind. And then my perspective changed and I was sort of being in the spotlight that was looking down on this uh, capsized plane with my younger self, you know, her long blonde hair blowing wildly in the, in the um, water. And I felt really unattached to that body, Um, not discompassionate, but there was no pain attached to it. No regrets, no, um, you know, wishes for the future at that point from where I was. I had a feeling of unconditional love that permeated my very soul. And I knew who I was. I knew what was happening to that body below. And yet it didn't seem to matter because from where I was, everything was quite fine. (laughs) But then it gave me a preview, which was the most amazing thing. I got a preview of what would happen if I actually was to die. And so I must've been in that time and space between life and death or this plane and the next um, and so what it had what happened is it showed me a, a little f- film of two local police officers walking through my parents front yard up their big red brick steps and knocking on their old wooden door and my parents answered the door and even though i couldn't hear the conversation unfold I saw their facial expressions change from sort of confusion to acknowledgement to horror. And then my mom actually collapsed to the floor in this, in this vision, she covered her head with her hands and she screamed and she screamed really loud inside my head. And that vision, you know, 30 years later still has the ability to make me cry. There was such anguish. And so at that point I made a choice. I said, I wasn't going to, that wasn't going to be my story. That wasn't going to be what I would do to them. And I was going back into my body. I was getting out of the plane and I was getting out of it now. And then I was, was back in the pain, you know, lungs burning, um, collapsing, but my brain did exactly what I asked It sourced the information I needed to escape a plane that had crashed and overturned in water and I was so um, shocked that we have that ability so all those pictures that had flashed forward in time began to go in reverse and then it stopped in front of a scene of a movie that I'd watched decades before, and I didn't know the name of the movie or what it was about. But the scene in front of my mind's eye gave me all the information I needed to escape a plane that had crashed and overturned in water. And I followed the script of that scene, escaped the plane and saved my life. So I always wondered, like if my brain could have that infinite capacity to do what i asked when i was so close to death why didn't i have that ability every single day <laughs> and so it put me on a path searching i'd had this near-death experience i knew that there was something more than what we experience here in this plane i knew that life existed beyond and you know near-death experience is one is one of the longest forever human um, studies on the planet, it spans, I don't know, 50 or 60 years. And the near-death experiences that are that are studied have a criteria. These people have died at an accident scene or on a, an operating table. They've been pronounced dead by a doctor. And then they have these experiences and they witness things that weren't possible in a comatose or a dead body. And um, there's about 19 different phenomena that people that have near death experience um, seem to have in common. And I have about 15 or 16 out of the 19. So even though I wasn't pronounced dead on the scene, I'm pretty certain that I had a near death experience. And um, five to 10% of the world population has had near death experiences far more um reported in the east in the eastern world just because life after death karma um you know a spiritual belief is different in the east than it has been in the west our culture has not um flown and like has not grown in that direction you know so you know we we really have that intellectual based um belief that education and science is, is necessary in order for us to affirm our beliefs. And so there's far more to be explored and science is catching up and has pretty much caught up with the belief of life after death. Um, I, I listened to a lot of um, scientists, one in particular, Robert Lanza, Dr. Robert Lanza. Um, he's uh, in 2010, Time Magazine, labeled him one of the top 10 most influential scientists in the world. He said, we are so far beyond questioning life after death. It's just that our belief systems haven't ca- caught up. And, you know, if you go back in in history, pretty, pretty much all the, the big influential thinkers that we still speak of long before the internet ever became... Uh, a part of our world there's many scientists that also share those beliefs and so this is one of the ways that I found comfort after Willis died you know I felt I was really strong intellectually and I could um, you know keep myself intellectually busy and and I, I could get out in the yard and keep myself physically active and get those endorphins going but I still felt broken And it wasn't until I really delved into the spiritual nature of body, mind, and soul that I found peace and, you know, I found balance again in my life. And so I always say, you know, we hear body, mind, and soul all the time, but what does that mean? And what does that mean to us when we lose somebody?
0: Yes, body, mind, and soul, what does that mean? And it's really the conditions when we decide to move into that space that allow those emotions or feelings or experiences of inner peace to arise, of joy to arise, of remembrance to arise, of wonder to arise, right? When we start acknowledging and fully experiencing our mind, body, and soul. I also really liked what you discovered when you were in the water, (laughs) You know, and talking about and having those visions and seeing your mom, you know, screaming with her hands on her head, realizing that's not my story, right? And the power we have essentially to decide what our story is, to recognize our ability to create our lives and our experiences and what happens, what occurs, you know, and recognizing that life happens for us and discovering the beauty and the revelations and. All the wisdom this has led to as a result of processing that experience and having it in the first place, life happening for us, at the same time, recognizing our ability to how we're going to experience it and what story we're going to create around it. And the story and beliefs kind of have a fine line too, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. About what our beliefs are and what story we tell ourselves or what stories we want to create or what thoughts and beliefs we can create that are more empowering and less limiting and being able to transform that. I think it's been such a sacred time of being able to recognize both our human experience and our spiritual sovereignty, our spiritual strength, our spiritual beingness, which we all say in a heard time and time again that we're spiritual beings having this human experience and that we're also multi-sensory beings. So having an experience like that really takes on and comes through all of our senses, making it such a salient experience that can carry us into new realms of understanding, for example. And so you mentioned about science and difference between Western and Eastern philosophies and beliefs and that you've studied and incorporated neuroscience into your practices, into your life and into your work. So how did, and when you talked about the brain as well and how that was processing. So what can you share with us about neuroscience being able to explain what's happened or how we can tell our brain what to do and, and create our own story?
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, neuroscience was the um, the illuminating factor in me discovering why I survived. It took me 25 years to actually reached that, that information. I first became a homeopath and it really made sense to me, the mind-body communication, body communicating with the mind, the mind communicating with the body. But are we communicating with the universe? Um, so I still hadn't discovered, you know, what the reason, the physiological reasons that could could have been the reason for my survival. But when I started to study neurolinguistics programming and it's based in neuroscience, What I discovered is we download our experience through our senses. So what we see, smell, taste, hear, feel emotionally and kinesthetically, that is our experience. Whether it's real or imagined, your brain doesn't recognize the difference. So when I watched this movie, which I finally learned 25 years after the fact, was an officer and a gentleman back in my 20s, was probably out in the 70s, or yeah, so I was even younger. But, um, you know, I experienced that scene and and embodied it. I'm a good movie watcher. You know, when Jaws is swimming on the water, I'm picking my feet up off the floor. So you get that physiological response. and And I always say, everything that you ever are watching or experiencing, whether you're doing it yourself or watching someone else go through something is a learning opportunity, because your brain is storing all this information. And so it really was a perfect match for me. Because I'm I was in that experience when I watched the movie, when I gave my brain a very concise order, I'm getting out of the plane now. So your brain is in the moment doesn't recognize the past or the future. So when we talk to our brain, we need to make it current. And we don't want to add a try. I'm going to try to get out of the plane now. That's a no-go. Maybe I'll get out. I hope I can get out. Is it possible that I can get out? And definitely not, I can't get out. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because this is why we say whether we can or whether we can't, it really becomes true, right? And so that concise way of talking with that um, that middle brain bypassing the resistance of all the questionings and the, am I smart enough? Am I good enough? Am I whatever enough? And just going to this powerhouse that works at 140,000 miles per hour, bypassing this one at 120. So I really did feel that warp speed. You know, if you ever watched Star Wars and you see the ship sail off into the stars, you really do get that switch where all of a sudden time stops or appears to stop because we're going warp speed. We're going faster than a rocket moves to the moon. And my brain matched the what I, what I was seeing inside my mind, the feeling that I was having inside my mind, what I was hearing inside my mind and following those instructions. So I embodied that movie. So it really was the perfect storm that it was a movie that I'd watched, it brought in the the kinesthetic, the auditory, the visual, it really was that neuroscience connection to that middle brain and how information is stored. And so that to me um, made sense. All of a sudden it was like, okay, I got a perfect match because we all know when somebody crashes, and flips a plane in water, they don't often survive. I didn't panic, so that was a bonus as a very strong swimmer. Um, and so very comfortable in the water. But it it was all of those um moments in time needed to come together in one perfect experience. And and so then, you know, why me? Why, why did I survive? And I felt like I had a mission. (laughs) I had a mission for something. I didn't know what it was, but I had a need to find out why. Um, And my next step into learning why was to go into spiritual recall. And I and I had a past life regression therapy when I was 27, right after this plane crash or very shortly. And uh, I got stuck in there. I was supposed to be in for an hour and I was in there for seven hours and, you know, giving the practitioner a heart attack. But when I came out, when I finally came out of it, she said, um, what did I learn in my past lives? And she, and I said, I learned that I was never allowed to let go of the people that I loved while I was still alive. I needed to die before I could let that pain go. And she said, well, how does that, um, how does that now, um, relate to the life that you're in? And at 27, I said, I'm going to have to learn, or I will learn, to let go of the people that have died while I'm still alive. Fast forward 30 years, my husband dies. And those words have rung in my head a thousand times. I'm like, here it is. Here is the agreement. Now what are you going to do about it? right? It's the lessons that we're here to learn. And with all of the spiritual training that I've had, I really agree that life is working for us. We're here as spiritual beings to figure something out, to further ourselves as these um, infinite souls. And so are we going to have to do it again? Or are we going to figure it out? And so I really feel that sometimes the lessons are hard, but we agreed to that and maybe it needs to be hard in order for us to really get it. And I, you know, I still believe I have that ongoing spiritual uh, connection with Willis. You know, I feel his presence. Um, You know, I, I engage in meditation and visualization visualization they say is your connection to the divine and that's what I've experienced I've had amazing um, experiences while in those states and you know when when we're in grief energy which can be very agitating um, very uncomfortable inside your body and it almost seems counterintuitive to get quiet but that's Part of the solution, this body, mind and soul solution is to, um, you know, shift that energy into something where you can find this inner peace and calm and connect with the people that have passed and have that ongoing, not that we're not on this planet, on in this body, on this earth at this time, to have a human experience and not to get lost in. And I, I did it, I did need to find that balance as well. Like I, I just wanted to stay, <laughs> stay in visualization it was so pleasant in there. Um, but you know, life is still in progress. And so how do we manage um that? And that's really what I share with my clients is to bring peace and contentment and um, integration of all that components of Um, you know, what life was, what's happening now, and and where does life go from here?
0: Yes, absolutely. That bridge to what life was, is, and becoming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you spoke a little bit about how to shift that energy and to recognize spiritual bypassing, right? That we don't want to do that because that creates resistance and actually hold us back from self-actualization and our whole, journey and reason for existence of learning and moving through what the human experience brings us with meditation and visualization and finding that moments of stillness. And you also shared, as I read in uh, the introduction earlier that being in that capsized plane surviving, that was actually easier than being a widow. And you just spoke about, you know, that grief with your husband passing and, I am no longer being here on the physical plane and yet still being able to connect and also being able to have that grief, that agitation, finding ways to neutralize that. And it really expands our capacity as we go through the integration, as you mentioned, to be able to expand our capacity to hold it all, to be able to still find happiness, even while you grieve. And so can you share a little bit about that, about how we can be grieving and yet also honor our life still on this planet, that it still continues and it goes on and it's okay to find happiness even through the loss. Can you share about that? How we how we can find that happiness and be okay with being happy and not feel shame and guilt even of being happy when there's been trauma. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we all know someone who's stuck in their trauma or in their grief. Um, some people have have haven't had the ability yet to overcome that. I really think it's a somatic experience and it, it lives in your body until we do shift or integrate or resolve the energy. Like David R. Hawkins, he was first an MD, became a psychiatrist. Um, he's got dozens of books out and um he talks about uh everything on the planet and and you know there's lots of scientists that talk about this everything on the planet is energy you know our molecules everything on that planet is actually a carbon molecule put together in a certain way to form a certain whether it's a body or a tree or a rock for a period of time and then at some point that energy will switch again, the tree will grow, die, decompose, go back to carbon. We will grow, um, die, go back to carbon. Um, So what happens to the energy? Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It simply shifts form. That is a fundamental law of the universe, like gravity. These are things that we can count on. Uh, So emotions are also energy. And so when we have grief, and we can talk about the um, energy consciousness levels, grief sits at about 25 points out of 1000. So that means uh, 925 points of energy have been compressed and not available to you. So that's why it's hard to get out of bed. Right? And so um, when we when we look at the neuroscience of how your brain stores information, it doesn't store it as grief doesn't store it as the label that's the linguistic processing that happens when we download it sensorily it's stored within your brain as a almost like a picture it can be three-dimensional flat it'll have a certain color it'll have a border it'll be bumpy it might be sticky it might be like tin it'll have a weight it might have a movement a sound a taste so it's sensorily that's what grief is that's what trauma is and it shows up in a certain part of your body. It feels uncomfortable, feels condensed. It might feel restrictive. We know it. We know when we're feeling it. And so through neuroscience, we come through the back door and we look at the physiological idea of how your brain rec- is recognizing stress or trauma. And then if we can change three things about it, and we can do that through an, a meditative state with visualization so it can be heart rate respiration body temperature we know that every emotion has its own heart rate respiration and body temperature people that are depressed walk with their head down they have narrower visual they they take smaller steps they shuffle they're tired they talk slower they breathe slower they have a lower body temperature we know that grief is the same way all emotions have that but they also have this picture of what it is inside the brain that's how it's stored so we can go in through visualization and we take a look at it. people draw them they journal them maybe it's round maybe it's three-dimensional maybe it's sticky maybe it's dense maybe there's no sunlight maybe it's gray i find lots of negative energy is typically dark in nature and when we move through it and I move it through different visualizations, I can just tell you the blue sky and all of a sudden your brain has it. I can tell you a white fluffy cow, I can tell you a, a, fle- a feather moving down through the atmosphere. You've got it, your brain is amazing. So as I move you through these different um, temperatures, the heat of the sun, the coolness of a, you know, a rain filled cloud, the, um, moving through them to the moon, bumping off a star, moving through the center of the sun, I can put you through all this space and time, plunge you into the ocean, I'm changing the temperature, of it. I'm changing the direction that it's moving, I'm changing the colors, I'm changing wind and sun and everything about it. And so what happens is, when we bring the energy back and review it, it's changed, it's usually smaller in size, the color begins to change. Uh, everything about it begins to diffuse and um, just dissolve, and so we keep going through these visualizations of moving it through. I bake it all. I, you know, use a rolling pin, turn it into say, let's make pizza out of it. Well, everybody knows pizza dough is white. Pizza dough has a certain thing. All of a sudden, it's a flat circle. Then we put it into the oven. We get the temperature of the oven against our face. We bake it off. We can smell the pizza. Everyone knows pizza has red tomato sauce, a little bit of cheese. So I've changed it and morphed it without asking you to do anything. So no resistance from the conscious brain. And it always turns back into bright white light and love. Which I believe is your natural essence. That's what we are, bright white light and love. That's exactly what I experienced when I had my near-death experience. And I believe that's the purity of when we were born into this world. And we all have the ability to have more of it in our life. And visualization is an incredible tool of healing. And people feel relief. And then it's a life skill that you can repeat. Again, when you have, you know, different energy rise up into your body. Now you have a tool. I just was at a cocktail party on yesterday or the day before and I'd run into one of my girlfriends who was struggling with anxiety on the ferry like a month before and she says I've been meaning to call you I arrived at my daughter's and one of her friends was in a full-on panic attack and you know those three tools that you that you shared with me on the ferry I was able to repeat that for her and get her under control and her panic attack resolved and I was like That's why I do what I do because we do have the power. We do have the power to be in charge of our brain and to empower ourselves to just feel okay in the world. And it doesn't have to be hard. We can all do it. It doesn't cost anything. (laughs) Once you learn the tools. Once you learn the
0: tools, yeah, and create those habits, those healthy habits to make it a daily practice or a regular practice. doesn't even necessarily have to be daily. It's like something in our medicine bundle and medicine cabinet, and we take it when we need it to, to heal and rejuvenate and also to elevate. We don't have to do it just when we're feeling bad. It can be to elevate those good feelings too and have that become more normal for us to experience more joy and happiness and that inner peace, inner harmony. And I can really relate to where emotions get stuck in our body and those trauma imprints that happen and that get stuck in cellular memory and that keep attracting similar experiences over and over again until we release those layers. It's uh, very prominent in the energy work, one of the energy forms that I do, integrated energy therapy. There's nine cellular memory areas of the body that hold specific emotions. So I can definitely relate to that. And I love that, you know, you speak about energy being in motion, allowing it to be in motion so that it doesn't become stuck or stagnate or compressed. That what you shared and what, even your movements shared this like beautiful dance, how we can move and shift that energy in the most beautiful way. And I know that you too offer a beautiful energy session, a rainbow session. You know, we've been talking about the different colors that everything has, all these emotions, experiences have. So tell us a little bit more about that. Cause this is something that Adele is offering to everyone listening and watching here on Awaken and Ascend. So tell us about that Adele.
1: Yeah. So it's, a, it's really a gift, you know, when you think about a rainbow, what do you think about, right? It's, it's always wonder if I look out over the, the ocean and I see a rainbow and we always think there's a pot of gold at the end <laughs> and all these colors and reflections that are just wonder. It's wonder-filled, right? There's nothing scary about a rainbow. It's like, oh, maybe I could take a slide and slide down the rainbow and then I'm gonna have my pot of gold and go up into the sunset. So just that the idea of rainbow, this reflection of light that's you know filled with beauty, filled with wonder, filled with promise. And so this is it. You can, you know, sign up for a rainbow energy session. And it's really to transform energetically through a meditation visualization that I um, facilitate for you and you know come it's it's nice if i know ahead of time what you want to work on because it is a limited amount of time i think it's 25 minutes and so for me to have a heads up you know when you respond to to, um, signing up for your free session just say i would like to work on this and then i we can we can really move into helping you right away and um and it's effective and usually in 25 minutes you can really feel relief and then experience what it is to Um, how you can do this for yourself. You get a recording so you can listen to it again. And um, yeah, it's just, I think it's amazing thing for something, somebody to experience just to say, wow, um, I never realized how natural, easy, and effortless it was to feel better inside my body and mind. Mm.
0: A really precious gift. And the sacredness of your time, taking the time to invest in connecting with Adele, to experience this for yourself, I mean, an active self-love, self-care, and that can have a tremendous impact and influence on your life in the best way. <laughs> so we'll have that link in the show notes for you. And Adele, how would you like people to connect with you otherwise, to learn more,
1: website? Yes, my offerings are on my website, which is lifecoachadele.com. And my email is yes, at lifecoachadelle.com. So easy to connect with me. I'm pretty visible online. Um, I do have a Facebook page. I'm not as active in certain areas, but I do respond. So um, I I believe that social media... Shouldn't be happening to us again, it should be happening for us. And so, um, you know, I do limit my engagement on certain platforms, but um, you will find me if you are looking. And so I'm grateful and I'm, I'm always just so delighted to meet somebody new. I I really think that's another gift of doing this work as we get to get introduced to amazing people like Jennifer, you know, I just, um, I just love that we're connected and how else would we ever come together, right? It's, it's, um, it's such a wonderful, such a wonderful world.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) So it's Engage with Adele. Again, I'll just have those links in the show notes for you to easily click into. And what a beautiful offering you have with this energy session. We'll put that in there. And also everything that you've offered here, your presence, your beautiful energy, and all the wisdom and the personal stories that you experienced and created so that you can (laughs) learn and grow and self-actualize and support other people's journey and doing the same. Thank you so much for being here, Adele.
1: I'm very grateful. Thank
0: you, Jennifer. Thank you. And thank you to each and every one of you that have been listening and watching on Awaken and Ascend. We'll see you again next week. Bye for now.